0: Welcome to What is Wrong with UX, the podcast where two old ladies yell at each other about how to make products suck slightly less. I'm Laura Klein, author of UX for Lean Startups. And I'm Kate Redder. I believe
1: that Sharpies smell like ideas. So full disclosure, just so everybody knows, this podcast contains swearing, drinking, and generally bitching about things that annoy us. So pretty much everything. Yeah, pretty much. And today on What's Wrong with UX, we're going to be talking about personas. Hmm. Wait, What? Laura, why are we still talking about personas? Haven't we figured those things out yet? Well, apparently not.
0: So most of the time that I see personas, they're being used in a really unhelpful way, um, which is unfortunate because I think they can be great. Yeah, they can be great. But, okay, so, but I have to
1: admit, I am weary, weary of the persona conversation. right? And so I know that they can be great. When you Google persona plus UX, you get... Google and the results like there's so many O's there's over a million so tell me
0: specifically what people are doing wrong with personas so yes I would like this to be the last twenty minutes that anybody ever spends discussing personas hell I'd like and it to be the last ten <laughs> I th- I think we can do it <laughs> okay. I don't think we can do it because I my drink won't last that long all right but so let me tell you a story because i love stories you know i love stories um i was meeting with a team the other day and uh i went in and they said we want to show you our persona this is the person who's going to be using our product and i said great fantastic show me your persona and so they show it to me and it's lovely as it always is when designers make it and there's a picture and there's lots and lots of description and like they clearly spent i mean quite some time on this thing right like
1: what is this like it like did they have a mannequin of it? Like, what was the format of the persona? When you say it's beautiful and it's, like, descriptive. You know, was an was
0: illustrator like? and there was a beautiful stock photo and they had, you know, every detail about this person's life that you could imagine in there. And, you know, he owned a golden retriever and uh, all of these things, right? Was there typography? There was typography. <laughs> okay. there, there were, now, like, there I, I were can the picture it. appropriate number of fonts. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at it and about... A minute into the presentation I said I'm gonna stop you right there so if you went out and you recruited 10 people based entirely on I don't know let's call him Andy because they named him if you based you you recruited 10 people based entirely on your vision of Andy and you pitched Andy the product that exists because you have a product you pitched them this product that exists could you sell your product to nine out of ten of those people they looked at me and they said, well, no, no I, don't, I don't think so, no. And I said, well, then your persona is useless <laughs> because, I, I, because I'm a joy to have around. Um, so I, but I explained that like, that's not a persona, that's a description of people. Now, the truth is, if they'd gone out and recruited 10 of their users, they might have all looked like Andy. But but it didn't work the other way, and it's got to work the other way. You can't just recruit. You can't just have a persona that describes many of the people using your product. You have to actually be able to go out and target people like that and find more people like that and know that they're going to be users of your product, or else it's really not that helpful. I mean, otherwise, you can just get so vague.
1: Well, right. And and that's what's weird about them. You were talking about this very lush, very descriptive persona or portrait of a person, mm-hmm. if you will, if you want to dis- distinguish, you know, an, a real persona versus a, a fetishized thing. Um, and so if it's descriptive, I hear a lot, though, that, that it should be descriptive. And now you're saying it not only has to be descriptive, it has to be predictive. So show me on the persona, Laura. <laughs> those predictive parts, because I'm I'm not sure I completely agree with you that it has to
0: go both ways all the time. So I think that for it to be really useful. Now you can you can have well hold on. Let's talk for just one second about a couple of various different kinds of personas because there are different types of personas that you use for different things. Some of them are basically about sort of building empathy and understanding amongst the team. This was not that kind. This was the kind that they were going to go out and they were going to recruit people and they were going to do research on those people, and they were going to understand their problems, needs, goals, that sort of thing. And then they were going to make product decisions based on that. And if it's not a predictive persona, if this is not actually a match, then you're not talking to people actually in your target market and you can get really bad information. Because, I mean, so for example, I talked to a lot of people who say, you know, well, our market is moms. I'm like, no, it's not. No, nobody's market is moms, right? Like, I have a mom, you have a mom. Like, every you know, I, I know moms. There are teen moms. Like, they don't all really want the same thing, except you know, apparently maybe, they all wanted children. Yeah, you know, but that's kind of it, and they've got this. So we <laughs> Their can't, product is fulfilled. Yes, it's, it's unlikely that we're going to help. They've got to have some behavior or some fact about themselves that puts them into this market, some some shared problem, some shared behavior, some shared outlook on the world that makes them want this thing, this solution that you're selling them. And so for example, you know, you say, you know, oh, you know, my my target market is accountants. Eh, No, not really. Like maybe your target market is Accountants in a very specific area who work with a very particular kind of client, who, you know, only you know who have at least a hundred clients, right? At that point you're getting into the thing where like, yeah, you could probably interview ten accountants like that and find really similar problem patterns. Well, this and, and that makes sense. And this reminds me of one
1: of our earlier podcasts, which people should totally listen to on iTunes, about um about the the five things no designer should ever say again, right? Which is is do you like my product? And then why? Right. So it's an accountant, but why? Like, what is the attribute or what is the supporting behavior, observable things you can see about that kind of accountant
0: that makes them a match? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. What? It's not just that they're an accountant; it's that they're an accountant that has specific kinds of behaviors or problems or things that all like that. That you could go out, as I said, and talk to you know some number of those people, and the vast majority of them would have this problem, that you would actually be able to predict the problems that you were hearing before you went out and talked to them, and that you would actually be able to predict the um, things that you would do to solve those problems, and that you would be right, because that's what building a product is. It's predicting problems that you're going to see in the world, predicting the people who are going to have those problems, and predicting the correct solution that these people will want to use, right? You have to do all of that. You're so predictable. I am so predictable. <laughs> I know. All
1: right, but, so yes, and um, one of the things that I've like I've used to validate personas—that's a terrible term for that because we use that word in specific ways—but to assess the effectiveness or helpfulness of a persona is um, once something's down on paper. Um, if you were to follow that person around for a whole day, would you observe them doing the things that you said you would, that they do? So mm-hmm. these observable behaviors, not even things that people say about themselves or how they would self-describe by asking, but if you're going to watch them, like what would that accountant or that mom be doing mm-hmm. that would help you understand that they have a behavior that then you could capitalize on with your pro- with your product?
0: Absolutely. And you're, I mean, you're talking about contextual inquiry and, you know, all this sort of ethnography and all these great sorts of studies that really, that we should all be doing. I think one of the, one of the, one of the many problems that I have with the disciplines that sometimes we see in the world is that a lot of times people will describe, like they'll, they'll create a persona and then they will believe it to be truth without having, like it won't be based in research and it won't be validated or invalidated by research. And I think that the best personas, the ones that actually are useful are the ones where You did the research on a bunch of people, you started to notice problem patterns, you created this persona as a prediction, you went out, you got more people like this, and you kept seeing those same patterns. At that point, you can now, I think, pretty safely say, we know what problems exist, we know who has these problems, and we think we have an idea of how to solve them. You're just in a much less risky place for starting to develop products or for continuing to develop your products.
1: Right. So it gives you that confidence that the, 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 the decisions you're making have some validity with the behaviors that you've already observed. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that sounds shocking. I know, <laughs> does I know. I that, mean, that, if people
0: did that, maybe all products would suck less. Well, well, we can always hope. I mean, that is the point. <laughs> the funny thing is that, you know, people always hear this and they think like, oh, that, that sounds so scientific and like a lot of work. Um, oh, and yeah. I know. Yeah. That's why they call it a discipline, people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, now, the funny thing is that I actually have this other thing that I do with personas, which is um, wildly imaginative and totally off script for any of this predictive nonsense. Do you want to hear that one? Of course, I do. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody wants to hear that one, Laura. Well, because you know I'm not creative, but I have this, I have this thing that I do, and I call it the aspirational persona. Aspirational. Aspirational. You almost went there. I did. Um, so what I do is I like to envision not just like when when I make a persona, it's the persona of the person who is going to buy my product. This is my ideal customer in the you know the terminology of sales, right? This is the person who's going to buy it. I like to imagine that person six months from now, like what have they turned into? What have they become? What problems have how have their problems changed? How have their behaviors changed? Now this, you really can't validate until six months from now when you go out and see it. But what I love about that is that it gives me this wonderful vision of how my product, not what features my product's going to have or how it's going to work. It gives me a wonderful vision of how my users are going to be better having used my product for six months. How is our how are, how is our life going to be better? How are they? You know what what got what got nicer for them? I like that. Thanks. I, that's, that's that's very gentle and loving of you, Laura. I know is wasn't horrifying. I to know. be fair, I, it's it's based a lot in Kathy Sierra's stuff. You know about making users badass and Good point. <laughs> you know just sure. making them better. So I didn't. I can't claim complete. Uh, I can't complete. Claim complete credit for it, but... Uh, I, I like... Well, I you can
1: claim... Down. You can always claim. That's, that's true. true. <laughs> totally, totally <laughs> You totally know, credit it. with attribution. That's yeah, that's No,
0: but it's based in this in this idea that, you know, our products are for making people better.
1: Yes. Yes. Or making people's behaviors better on their own terms. Yeah. Right? right. Instead of, you know, some kind of force feeding of a mm-hmm. product problem. Um, interestingly about that, I think that taps into something that Janice Frazier said, who, you know, a close friend and co-UX designer and another badass old, old lady of design, um, and, and when someone approached her once and said, tell me why I should hire you for UX, and she had the best response ever, which was, I'm not so sure you should, <laughs> but if you can tell me a little about the role your product has in your customer's life, then we can figure that out together, mm-hmm. and there's something about that role, like having the role of a product in somebody's everyday life that makes them heroic or awesome or better or just, you know, frankly, less frazzled that I think is really meaningful, and as a way so, – so looking – bringing this back to personas, how would a designer or an entrepreneur or a design team take a look at their thing they've created to see if it fits with the things that will make it a useful, helpful persona? Like give me a checklist on this because, you know, dumb it down to Katie talk. So how do you mean? Give me a little bit more
0: um, – give me a little bit more context for that.
1: Well, you started with the list of saying um, – if you were to talk to your to people like this, could a could you recruit using it? Mm-hmm. Can you find these people? So there needs to be some kind of stuff on a persona that will help you find other people like mm-hmm. it. A right? uh, second opt- idea is that if you were to find those people, they would be the ones that would buy your product for a reason that you could predict. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the third one is if you put an aspirational kind of future vision out there for these people, like could you actually do that based on extrapolating from the information you already have on the persona?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, so I like – when I do my personas, I, I have still – I don't know if it was originally the Luxor model. I th- think that's where I heard about it first or I saw it first, but it it's the very simple one where you've got the description of the person. You have their – The four prob- quadrants. Yeah, you have the yeah. problem. I do mine a little – a tiny bit differently, but it's, it's description – um, problems, behaviors, and needs and goals. And I like to recruit based on the description and the behaviors. <laughs> um, because, and the, the, you know, the behaviors might be something like, you know, a way that somebody is acting around this particular area. So, um, the, for example, if you're doing something to do with, I don't know, airline miles, this is a, an example that I've used before. It's an easy one for people to get. If you're doing something around, helping people with their airline miles. A behavior might be every time I book a flight, I go to all of my different airline miles and I check to see how many points I have, right? That's a behavior. That's sure. a thing that I do. And you right? can see someone doing that if you were to follow them around. Totally. Yeah. Like if you watch them, you were like, yeah, book a flight and just the way you normally would, they would sit there and be like, well, first I go to, you know, United and then I go to Southwest and I just go, I compare and, you know, I open up these different tabs and it's a thing, right? It's an observable thing. The problem might be, Oh yeah. So the last time I booked a flight, I used all my United miles, but then it turned out that like a week later I could have used them for double and you know, I could have booked this great trip to
1: Mexico the Bahamas, or, to the Bahamas <laughs> or,
0: you know, that I, I was, that would have been wonderful, but like I didn't cause I wasted my miles on this business trip and you know, like that's a problem. That's a thing, a thing that made them sad. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So then what I think the thing that I think the needs and goals, the needs and goals are the things that my product is going to help them fulfill. Right. It might be, well, you know, we're going to like their need is to prevent that sort of problem in the future. Their need is to be able to you know, compare and see what the the future of their airline miles is going to be or, you know, be able to combine them all into one or to be able to trade them, whatever it is, whatever their needs or goals are. Those are things that are going to fix the problems that they have. So the reason that I like to recruit for user, for user research on the, the facts, the descriptions, like this is a person who travels, you know, a million miles a year or whatever. I don't know. It <laughs> has five different loyalty I, programs. Yeah, five different, yeah, has at least five different loyalty programs. Like that's a fact about them. Those are all things that people know about themselves and can respond to a screener with and probably won't lie about Um Because why would you? (laughs) Um, But you can easily find those kinds of people. You can identify them. And then you interview them to understand what their problems are and how they see their problems. And then you're looking for problem patterns. So you're really predicting the problems that you're going to see when you're doing a persona. Now, here's the thing. Once you make a, a provisional persona, you go back and you iterate on it. Like when you talk to people, you update those problems. You update those needs and goals. Because... The thing that drives me absolutely nuts, and I had this happen too, um, is when people are like, this is our persona, and this is our product. And I say, well, does this person want to use your product? No, we need to find a way to get this person to use our product. I say, well, then you need to change your product. (laughs) Oh, well, we can't change our product. (laughs) Well, then you need to change your persona. But this is our persona. I'm like, well, then I can't help you. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah. I I would like to lose weight, but I don't want to eat less or exercise. I can cut off your leg. Yeah, That's, I mean, well, you could have a tapworm, tapeworm. Tapeworm, right. I, mean, <laughs> I could walk around and slap the food out of your hand. Like, I don't, I've got no, yeah. I've got no help for you if you won't change one or the other. Right.
1: So, I mean, it's a system, right? I yeah. mean, these things are interrelated and they need to, to somehow be trying to build a truth. Yes. That you're,
0: that you're describing and mm-hmm. hopefully capitalizing on with your product. Yeah. You you go back and forth. You change your, you know, you you change your persona, you change your product. This is what we like to call, you know, trying to find product market fit, right? You're Uh talking about your market you're talking about your product and you're kind of changing one and then the other and then you're trying to find those. And that's why I say I like to look for these patterns, these problem patterns. So all this is super. So I
1: have to admit you disagree with me entirely. No, you have oh, de wearied me. I am less <laughs> less weary of the persona now that there's some clarity around it. You did mention something, something that I want to call out, especially for the audience, which is uh, this idea of provisional personas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard them called bullshit personas, and so I want to be thoughtful about that. Uh, and, and we, in the startup world, I think we've really not invested in the more field research and the derivative personas. The personas are actually bounded by a generative research process mm-hmm. and are distilled from instead of invented and then validated, mm-hmm. uh, and I think those are two different methods. And I totally. would encourage people to really go out and do that that broad research first with some early broad hunches. Um, but back to the provisional persona, which that that four quadrant um, Luxor got it, I think, from Lane Halley through Cooper. So you know, there's there you there's a lot of good sure. good stuff there. Uh, but how do How how important is it to always be saying, like, this is a provisional persona? And when does something go from provisional to validated? Like, what's the minimum
0: amount of stuff you have to do to be able to get it to that I am a real persona status? Well, it's interesting because, as you pointed out, there's this other way of doing it, which is when you have a product with actual users. And and in fact, I mean, I often talk about, like, no, 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 you need to have one persona. Well, frankly, if you're building Salesforce or, (laughs) you know, something that's been around for 15 years or... Hundred years in some cases, right? Like <laughs> internet you, yeah, time. Inter- yeah, exactly, right. Um, a million years. Um, you're going to have a lot of different personas. There are just going to be different players. You have different kinds of customers. Like, that's just going to happen. That's normal. So, there's this other way of doing personas, which is very much to go out and interview your actual users. And you interview a lot of your actual users and then you start to group them. Again, by noticing patterns. It's still about interviewing and noticing patterns. But then you group them into these different sections. I still think it's really helpful to think about this because when I'm working on any given product with or any given project or feature or change with any given metric, mm-hmm. I like to know which of these personas that's going to affect. Like, mm-hmm. is this mostly about you know brand new salespeople who are just learning the system? Is this about you know sales managers who have a hundred people under them? Right, you have to have some way. Of saying this is the human, and this is the section of our of our user base that this is going to affect. So, but that is but it is a very different way of doing it because it, it requires a little bit less validation later because you're doing all mm-hmm. that research up front. Right. Um, it's still worthwhile though to do the research with you know talk to all the users, create all of your. Person, your provisional personas, and then go out and see if those patterns hold. Yeah. Because it's re- we're humans, and humans – most of us. <laughs> <And> humans humans – <laughs> whether or not we act like it. No. Humans love to – crickets, I didn't know that we were doing so badly. <laughs> um, <laughs> humans love to notice patterns, yeah. right? They, they do. And so it's very easy to see patterns where they don't exist or where we want them to exist. And so writing down those predictions ahead of time and then going out and seeing if they hold – very powerful in bullshit detection. Interesting. I do
1: I, I do love that. And I love the fact that you're sharing it with the world because now everybody else can love it too. So two things that I want to queue up for a future podcast. One is, but Laura, if I have all these things, I'm so focused now. Nobody can decide anything about the product because we have to double down and focus. And keeping them vague means everybody gets to feel like they're...
0: Part of Can't we just make it for everybody like Facebook? Oh God.
1: So we are gonna <laughs> we are gonna hatch that one down in a future one because this whole lack of decisiveness and inability to focus is I, I think that actually does meaningfully make products sucky.
0: Oh I think it ruins products and I think yeah. that we're gonna need stronger drinks for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and maybe a big, you know, we'll just no, I'm not
1: gonna pop a keg because
0: <laughs> we don't <laughs> drink beer anymore.
1: We're beyond that. <laughs> just just big gulps of bourbon. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well I think we have totally beaten this topic to death. My drink is long empty. Oh, yes, and I am
0: done talking about people, and to people, and near people. I, I, I'm a person, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I just want to be alone.